Don't look so happy. There you go. Hey everyone, welcome to the Age Group to Pro Triathlon Podcast, where our goal is to help people go from confused to confident in their first few triathlons. I'm Kaylee, the pro. My name is Brian, the age grouper. So we wanted to start off today by kind of a funny little segment that happened this week. So we decided to ask ChatGPT a question about triathlon. It was something we were, I don't know, we were just kind of interested in and to see what his answer would be or her. I guess we don't really know what it is. The it, the 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 World Wide Web. We'll just call it body boy like our vacuum. Body boy. All right. So we asked Chad, Chad GPT. I think you have the question up. So so what was it? So we went to Chat GPT and wanted to see what its answer would be to do a flying dismount from a road bike because this is one of the questions we've gotten. So we wanted to see how good Chat GPT was at triathlon. Yeah. So to before we hear their answer, just so everyone knows, a flying dismount. I have absolutely no idea if this is the correct word for for this, but what we call flying dismount is when you're approaching T2 on your bike, you get your feet out and off of your bike without actually like unclipping and like stopping putting your foot down. I don't I don't know how else to describe it. How would you describe it? Yeah, a flying dismount is just when you get your feet on top of your cycling shoes and then swing one leg over the saddle and then dismount your bike while you're still rolling versus coming to a complete stop. So that's what a flying dismount is. Yeah, if you is. watch any short course, <laughs> ITU, any of those type races, every single one of them knows how to do this and it looks amazing when they do it. So just just to preface what this is and what it should look like. So yeah, go ahead, read it. Okay, so what ChatGPT thinks is to dismount from a flying dismount on a road bike, follow these steps. Don't try this at home. Step one, slow down and approach the dismount area at a controlled speed. Step two, shift your weight toward the back of the saddle and lift your body off the seat. Getting further. Step three, place your dominant foot on the ground with your other foot remaining on the pedal. Getting dangerous. Step four, use your dominant foot to push off the ground and lift the bike up over your head. Okay, now we're in cycle across. Step five, as you release the bike, extend your arms and let the bike fly away from you. And step six, land on both feet, making sure to bend your knees to absorb the impact. As if you're jumping off like a 10 foot story or building. So <laughs> when, when we read this, oh, and there's a disclaimer, it's important to practice this maneuver before attempting it in a race or other high pressure situation. Make sure you have a clear dismount area before attempting it. So we got a good laugh out of this. And I mean, it's just absolutely absurd because like, as you first start reading it, it sounds good. I mean, it's even describing where to shift your weight in the saddle, like, describes a dominant foot. I mean, it's like, it's like it knows how you as a cyclist imagine like your body on the bike. Like it's so confidently describing it that I don't know, like I was kind of like, okay, we're, we're getting somewhere with it. But then all of a sudden, just the thought of like getting off your bike, grabbing it and throwing it in the air 
and then just like landing with the bent knees. Like, oh, it was just too good. As if you're like in the air. Yeah. It's, um, it's confidently incorrect. So a lot of people are worried about AI replacing people's jobs. If you're a triathlete and that's your job, I think you're safe for now. It doesn't seem like chat GPT is capable of replacing what triathletes do. Yeah. I mean, I know they have some smarter ones now, don't they, than ChatGPT? Yeah, I think they're, that was like ChatGPT3 and now there's ChatGPT4. Google released theirs, which is called Bard. Um, Microsoft released theirs. Of course, Mark Zuckerberg has his hat in the ring. I think his is called Llama. Interesting. Interesting choice. But. So, yeah, you have a lot of options and... Uh, I we we could ask them all, but that was a really good response that we got from the flying dismount one. Yeah, we just felt like we needed to share that because I mean it really we just thought it was so funny. So next to get a few extra questions in there, we asked ChatGPT to ask us a few questions about triathlon. So I'll be asking. Kaylee has no idea the answers. I don't even know if I'll know all the answers. But we'll have a quick little chat GPT trivia on triathlon to see how we do on it. So I asked chat GPT to ask us five questions about triathlon. So the first question, we will start easy. Which triathlon distance is the shortest? A super sprint. It would be my guess. Sounds good to me. What is the name of the iconic triathlon held annually in Hawaii? Ironman World Championships, Kona. Correct. So let's get a little tougher. Who is the most decorated male triathlete in Olympic history? Oh, man. Olympic history? Uh-huh. I would guess Alistair Brownlee. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess. I know he, he was two, yeah, right? Yeah, two golds. Rio and London. Of course. Yeah, so that, I, I really don't know. If yeah, no, that's else. right. Yep. Okay. So. Does ChatGPT give you the answer? No. <laughs> I just, I have a good feeling. If we're wrong, let us know in the comments. So next question. What is a term to describe a triathlon that involves a longer distance than the full Ironman triathlon? I think they're called ultras. Right? Like an ultra? Yeah, I think an Ultraman or an Ultra Ironman is what I've heard. Yeah, I I know that they do several of them in Florida. Um, I've seen them when I've looked into races. So, And I feel like it says ultra, so I'm going to go with that. But that's also used for running, so... No, I think that's right. I think they double... I mean, I've seen a lot of different distances, but I think they double the Ironman distance. So I can't even fathom. I can't even fathom doing an Ironman right now. So the thought of doing twice is just low and slow. It's probably probably takes days or at least a good 24 hours. So I'll give you an easy final one in the Olympic distance triathlon. What is the length of the running portion? 10 K. There you go. 6.2 miles. 6.2. 6.21, right? I don't know. (laughs) 
I actually don't know the the exact. Five K versus yeah, yeah, I thought it's like three point one oh five or something ridiculous. Yeah, I like don't that. know what the exact is. I mean, it's triathlon though, so yeah, it's six ish miles. Well, cool. Those are our ChatGPT questions for this week. Ask us questions so we don't have to ask ChatGPT. What's next? So I actually wanted, it's kind of similar to the question you just asked. When I was in Montreblanc, there, you know, most other countries go by kilometers, whereas the U.S. goes by miles. And so when I was there, a lot of the, the markers on the course, as well as online, were in kilometers. And I was thinking to myself, like, how, how would I pace myself differently seeing, like, I'm at the 17K mark versus the miles? Like, it was a very interesting thing. And I don't know if you, like, would you learn I guess like where the mile to k equivalent is or would you just like I don't know I mean I I like kilometers more because it feels like the race is going by faster yeah I mean I actually thought about that because the bike I think is 90 kilometers compared to the 56 miles and I actually liked the idea of breaking that race up into like nine 10k pieces which i don't know it was like an interesting thought i had when i was getting ready to to not race there <laughs> yeah i think precision is always better when when it comes to performance so a kilometer is more of a precise measurement than a mile yeah it definitely is and i think it'd be something interesting to get more into learning pacing off of kilometer versus mile because you have a more updated frequency of how fast you're going if you were to go by it. But I mean, what, what is, what is it like a six flat to a kilometer? Do you 345 know? per kilometer. 345. Yeah. So yeah. that was kind of what I was thinking. I was like, Oh, maybe I should change my watch to kilometers, but yeah. 345 per K is like the, the European standard of running. I mean, if you're, if you're running, it's at 345 per K. If you're not, then it's, it's jogging in the fours. And a lot of people will consider like five minutes per kilometer recovery. Yeah. A lot of established athletes. So. Yeah, it was just a very interesting conversion. And I was also curious, like, if any of the listeners out there who go by kilometers, if they ever feel weird when they go to a race that is in miles. And do they, do you typically go by miles or do you keep it at kilometers per hour? Yeah, I'm sure people go by what they're used to, just yeah. like we do. Yeah, it was interesting, but... The the real trick is Celsius versus Fahrenheit. Oh, that was... Yeah, in the pro meeting, they, they told us how the temperature of the water, and I, I don't remember what it was now, 19 Celsius, something like that. Honestly, I have no idea. But they told us it in Celsius, and everybody just kind of looked at them blankly, like... Because they said something profound was how they said it. And we all just stared and was like, can you please say that in Fahrenheit? The problem and with Celsius <laughs> is 20 is like kind of getting co close to cold. But then 30 is like boiling. Like yeah, they overreact it's when the... it's like 30. Oh, my God. But there's there's not much of a deviation or gap. Whereas 
again, I think Fahrenheit is the flip side of Celsius, where yeah, it's true. more precise, more accurate, because there's more units from one degree to another. Yeah. Or at least it's a little higher. So yeah, I prefer Fahrenheit there and then kilometers for distance. Yeah, no. It was it was an interesting experience converting, but I know the U, the United States is the weird one, so Yeah, just know what your wetsuit legal mark is. I think it's seventy eight Fahrenheit and then seventy one point nine for pros, something like Somewhere that. Somewhere around there. And the yeah. water was seventy two, so yeah, no, no wetsuit swim in your hypothetical Montremblant race. Yeah. If you want to recap on that, check out our bonus podcast that we released Wednesday. Yeah, check it out. But I also thought a really interesting topic for, for this one would be Brian just got his first pair of Meta, Metaspeed Skies. Is that right? Is yeah. That how you say it? Yeah. Um, so they're Asics Super Shoe and actually had a really cool opportunity to try them out on the track side by side to the vapor flies that you typically race in the, the vapor flies twos okay so the vapor flies fly twos compared to the metaspeed skies what was your opinion yeah so my workout was 1600 and then it was into two by 400 with a four minute rest in between each rest so i did that four times through and on reps one and three I ran it in the vapor flies. So then on reps two and four, I ran it in the Metaspeed Skies. So I had the chance to go from Vaporfly to Sky to Vaporfly to Sky to see even as my legs got more tired and fatigued, how would they hold up? And was there really a difference between super shoes to begin with? Was it all the carbon plate? Did the shoe itself matter? Was the cushion relevant? So Yeah, because there's a, a lot of opinions on all the different super shoes, and I've currently only tried two, and I definitely even just those feel a big difference. So, I mean, how did it feel back-to-back? -back? Yeah, and you've ran in the, the Echo Boom Clouds, right? Yes. And then the Vapor Flies. Yeah, those are the only two for me. And we both ran in the Alpha Flies as well, but those yes. just simply don't work for us. Yeah, I think we've we've complained about those before, so... Yeah, no matter how fast they are, if they slash your foot wide open, then they aren't worth running in. So the good news is both the Vaporfly and the Metaspeed Skies do not slash my foot open. So the first thing with super shoes is I find that unless you're running up to speed, it's really hard to tell if they're making you more efficient. So to me, I would say unless you're running sub seven minute miles, then you're better off running in a trainer at yeah. that point with, with more cushion. I would agree. There's definitely a sense of what we say in loading the shoe that only really comes when you're, you're running at a certain speed. Yeah. There's a sufficient amount of force and the difference, the big difference that you notice in the Metaspeed Sky Plus versus the Vaporfly is I thought the Vaporfly had more of a, a toe in that carbon plate to load up. But the Metaspeed Sky is almost like no heel and all toe bulge. So you feel that that toe-loaded plate a lot. And yeah. it's probably more optimal for toe strikers. Whereas if you're a big heel striker, the Metaspeed Sky doesn't have much of a heel at all. It rolls pretty smoothly. But Interesting. next to the Vaporfly, where even though the Vaporfly heel comes to a point, that Nike foam 
gives you some propulsion. So the first thing I noticed right away is if you're more of a heel striker, I think the vapor flies are going to favor the runner. And then if you run on your toes a lot, if you're able to load up that meta speed sky with enough force, it really holds its stability and propels you forward nicely without feeling like too much work. Would you consider yourself more of a a toe striker or are you more of a hill striker? The faster you go, the more you tend to run toward your toes. You personally. The faster anybody goes, the more they get on their toes versus their heels. So that's the importance of the carbon shoe. So if I'm running sub six minute miles, then I'm more on my toes. But I would say, yeah, if I start to get really fatigued and into the sixes, then, you know, I start to drag my heels a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I was even, for me, I think what pace I'm running at for 70.3, let's say, which is going to be around the 550 to 610 mark, I still hill strike. Like I, I think that for me, especially at that point in the race when I'm like already pretty tired and I would say my form is not, you know, track form, like it's not very ideal. I think I'm still more of a a hill forward striker. So I don't know if you feel like that, or do you think you still hold pretty good toe form if you're, you know, running in an Olympic distance or say? Yeah, no, I think it just depends on that pace shift. Anytime I fall into the sixes, then I start to heel strike a little more. Would you say the meta speed skies have, do they feel jarring if you, if you were to hill strike? No, it just feels like there's less there. There's less there. Yeah. It's almost just absent. So I I went 541 per mile the first rep, and then I went 539 per mile the second rep. So the first mile was in the Metaspeed Skies, and I felt in control in them the whole time, pretty relaxed. And then my my 400s were at around like a low five or a five flat pace per mile. What does that come out time-wise you know like a 77 77 ish yeah but more of the point is like i felt super in control um in the meta speed skies the entire rep whereas the vapor flies i think my perceived effort was a little higher because they felt a little clunkier on my feet like i said you're making more ground contact with the whole shoe but to my surprise my mile time was actually faster at what i would consider like the same sort of effort Interesting. It was only by two seconds, you know, over the course of four track laps. So it wasn't this crazy difference, but I thought it was going to be slower and it came out to be faster. On the third rep, I went back to the meta speed skies and had an extremely controlled rep at like right around a 542 again. Wow. So it was about, about the same that your first one was. Yeah. And it felt even more controlled and even more relaxed. Interesting. Especially as I started to, I would say, learn the shoe a little bit and load up that toe, really toe strike with it. And then, yeah, the 400s also felt super in control. And Were your 400s any faster in the vapor flies? They were a little slower in the vapor flies by about a second. You found your mile was a little bit faster, but the 400s were a little slower. Yep. And then I tried to take a really easy controlled mile and shipped off like a 542 again with the vapor flies for the last rep. Was and it still I, more, more effort? So as my legs fatigued, I really tried to pay attention to the differences. Mm-hmm. And the 
thing I noticed most was like the Metaspeed Skies had more absorption and propulsion for my quads. So I was thinking like when I get off the bike, I'm most likely going to have more tired quads. And that's something I'll have to test in a race or, you know, on a tough brick session. But my my quadriceps in particular were fatiguing more with the vapor flies than they were with the Metaspeed Skies. It was almost like the Metaspeeds were protecting my legs a little more while running fast. But it was super subtle and everything came down to like a second. Yeah. So I I guess like the simple side of it between the two, did you feel like there was a speed difference? I felt like there was a a mental component where I felt more in control with the Metaspeed Skies. And that's like a feeling I would want to have off the bike versus feeling a little clunky after, you know, over an hour of racing already into an Olympic or half Ironman distance. So for me, my next race, I decided not because of speeds, because my conclusion is both both shoes are very fast. And I think that's what a lot of people are wondering about those models, because when you ask people what they race in, it tends to be the ASICs or it tends to be the vapor flies. Yeah. So to me, it proved that it's not really about the speed. And if I can gain a little benefit off the transition bonus because the Metaspeed Sky's laces are more favorable and I feel in control off the bike, we'll we'll have to see if sockless is just as good in them. But yeah. I think I think it will be. It has a really pretty stable upper. Um, the only thing that I would recommend for people is getting the lacing pretty tight because there's a bit of heel slip as there is, I feel like in most super shoes. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, I guess with my vapor flies, I've, I've honestly never noticed it in them, but in my, um, the echoes, I notice a lot of hill slide, but I also think mine are a little bit big on me. Um, I think I could have gone a half size smaller than what I run in, in pretty much all my shoes. But yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, that that wiggle. Yeah, you want to lock down the heel. So that's really important to figure out sockless. And the good news is um, I run in 10 and a half, size 10 and a half for the Vaporflies. And I got 10 and a half in the Metaspeed Skies and they're both perfect fits. So that's the size kind of, is, yeah, good. for listeners, if they're considering a super shoe, it's really true to size. And honestly... Yeah, I would say the Metaspeed Sky just edged it out for me just by a little bit. But Would you change your mind if you were doing a a sprint versus a 70.3? No, I need to race in them to see, really. Before you can get to that that specific. I'll I'll be racing next weekend, so I'll have the chance to really put them to the test and see if I I hold up. Was there anything about the Vaporflies that you would have said is better? The heel support. Just the heel support? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe, hey, if you get tired and you start slipping off pace, then that heel might give you a little extra, whereas I don't think the Metaspeed Skies were giving you anything out of the cushion and the heel. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I've always found with my Vaporflies is that after running my entire collegiate career and just like regular shoes, I... I feel like when you would get tired, your pace would just fall off so hard. And now with the vapor flies, if I get tired, I can like crank out around a 620 pace as like, quote unquote, recovery, which is just like when I put normal trainers on a 620 feels 
hard. Like it's not an easy pace to hit. So I think yeah, for, it's important to me. To for 70.3, I'd be running in the Vaporflies probably. Really? Yeah, unless my quads. Because the fatigue, just the. Like you said, I mean, I'm not going to be sub six for 70.3 yet. So yeah, I mean, the heel, the extra heel and the extra cushion might help me stay fresh with it. So yeah, it'll be an interesting um, thing to see. I mean, when's your next race? Next weekend. Next weekend. Oh my gosh. Wow. I forget it's July already. Almost. Yeah. Okay. Well, where is this race going to be? That's actually a good. Yeah. It's a local race in Georgia. So I think it's like 45 minutes from us. So it's, you know, very, very close race. It was Let's see. I think it was our first race we did after the 70.3 last year. So it'll be another one where you can compare a little bit, like how how far you've come in a year. I know it's it's always hard to compare triathlons because things change, weather changes. But I mean, it's still a good a good little point to be able to see. Yeah, I think for me, it's really about chasing my first win. Triathlons undefeated against me and. I've, I've come kind of close, but I've never been able to win overall. So my goal is really to secure my first win. Obviously, I'm not going to win age groups nationals unless some sort of <laughs> mega miracle happens. But I mean, these are great races, though. I think I got second at this race. It was like my I was it was like my first step towards that first place finish. So I think after that, I won every race. So this was the last one where I got second. So, Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I had an especially bad race here last year, so I'm coming back for vengeance, coming back for a better swim, a stronger bike. How and long was your swim? It was in the 30s. <laughs> the high or the low 30s? It, I didn't make it into the 40s, and that's all that matters. It was a terrible swim, even for me. I... I was in the 30s. I don't know what happened. I don't know if I got lost or what. I mean, it was it was my slowest swim in triathlon, even slower than my first ever swim. It was, I think, my slowest as well. And the thing was, is the, the people who were in front weren't that slow. So It was long for them, too. It, it was long, but they weren't slow. Yeah, the swim is long. The bike course is short. It's 22 miles versus 25. I took a wrong turn here, too. I don't even know about the run. Is this with the dirt path? It goes from dirt to yes. Road? Oh, it's hard. It's a hard run. Yeah, and then it goes by the golf course and back. There's a a dirt segment in the beginning that's like very much not stable terrain, and I no. remember running in the vapor flies, and it felt pretty terrible. So maybe the the meta speeds will give you a, a little bit of stability. Yeah, on hopefully. That part, so, looking forward to seeing where I'm at. It's been a while since I've raced healthy, so it'll be fun. Yeah, and I get to cheer him on. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean the jury's still out. I mean I'm definitely between like, do I grind to eventually going pro, if if I could, or is it cooler to be the best age grouper that I possibly can be? Like to conquer every distance as an age grouper in the world, like be the top in the world age grouper. I mean, we've talked about this and to be the best age grouper, you are definitely at the level that you could go pro. So it's like 
hard to make the decision of which one, but... Yeah, and there's a lot of those like mega talent guys like Matt Markhart who they're just transitioning to the pro field, but they're still age groupers. Yeah. Like Matt Markhart won Kona and is he has now gotten third and second in his first two Ironmans. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, so it's it's not it's no small feat being a top age grouper either. I'm thinking over my path because when you look at the men's pro field, it's like there's no weakness in the swim, bike, and run for any of these guys. No, they're professionals at all three. It's it's definitely very competitive now to to reach that point, but. I don't know. Well, if you had the option for the listeners of being the best age grouper or let's just, well, we'll just say being like middle of the road pro. All right. Well, we'll like, well, I think that if you're the best age grouper, you're probably better than the middle of the road pro. But let's just say, what would you rather do? So make sure you... Reach out on Instagram. Let us know. I mean, we would love to hear what other people think and help Brian make his decision on his route. Yeah. I mean, the name of the podcast is Age Group 2 Pro. So we initially said that as the journey from age group to professional. But I'm also an age grouper and Kaylee's also a professional. So who knows how to interpret it? And I mean, that's the fun part about triathlon. I mean, where our journey started versus where we're at. Yeah. I mean, you started triathlon wanting to be a professional and I started triathlon to just honestly train. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's a rewarding journey. And I think as long as you take it for that, the journey, not the chasing a destination only, because if you're in it for the destination, I could tell you 10 different things. Both of us sitting here could be doing the other things that we do professionally if we were just in it for like a lifestyle sort of thing. Yeah. You have to really have a passion day in and day out for triathlon, for competing, for the training. It's just a lot. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Otherwise it's not worth it. I could be a financial advisor and Kaylee could be a veterinarian and we could work out do local Lots. 5Ks. Yeah. So <laughs> do local 5Ks, maybe throw in a 10K here and there, but it'd definitely be much easier. But we would I wouldn't change it. So no. So yeah, just just a reminder to stay focused and enjoying the journey of it because it's a long one. <laughs> yeah. It's been fun. But yeah, we just we know we had the the midweek little recap on my race, so we um, just kind of wanted to get another little bit more long one out to you guys on Friday. And so, yeah, we had a little bit of just kind of discussion and just wanted to throw a few things out and happy to give our opinion on some shoes. So, yeah. Yeah. Ask more questions. Happy triathloning. Happy weekend. Have some good training sessions. Yeah, let us know if you have any races coming up, uh, especially in the Georgia area. Might as well. (laughs) All right, catch you soon. Yeah, we'll be back next week.